is up, Fathom fam. Thank you for listening and supporting the Fathom Church podcast. Remember, you can always connect with us at fathomchurchjacks.com and on all your social media platforms as well as on YouTube. We just want to let you know about a new weekly podcast that is now available to you called Fathom Beyond Sunday. Very different from our normal sermon podcast, really just um, some casual, engaging conversation on faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Uh, I'm so, you guys caught me here in the room, like getting ready to jump in early. I'm so uh, thankful you're, you're all here. Thank you uh, for everyone joining us online. Can we just shout out, if you're in the room, shout out, show some love to our Fathom family online. <clears throat> What's a little distance? We're all in this uh, thing together, man. I hope you'll get signed up. You can open that Church Center app. If you don't have that Church Center app, it's gotten even cooler this week because you can actually watch live and you can go back and watch old sermons right in that app. It's really cool. So that's more and more going to become a, a great place to connect, not only to register for events like marriage conference or sign up for groups and give, but also to, to get, catched, uh, get caught up on uh, old sermons. So I'm super excited to, to be back uh, with you this weekend. And um, I, I probably, I don't know how you are, but I don't think about my citizenship Often, as a U.S. citizen, I was born here. I know there's probably some of you in the room or watching online, you were not born in the United States, so you think about it, or maybe you're working to become a U.S. citizen. The only time I ever really think about my citizenship um, here in America is when I'm traveling internationally and I come back into the country, and then there's two signs, and one says U.S. citizens this way and non-citizens this way, and usually I'm really excited to be a U.S. citizen because there's like four or five lanes for U.S. citizens. For non-U.S. citizens, there's one lane, so it's really long, so I'm like, sweet, yes, I'm a U.S. citizen. That's usually the only time I think uh, about it, um, many of you are probably uh, the same way, but becoming a U.S. citizen is actually really hard. I don't know if you know what that process looks like. Uh, for Some of you have actually walked that and become U.S. citizens. I've had close friends who have gone through that journey, and it's long and expensive and, and kind of exhausting to go through. I mean, it's, uh, you, first of all, you can't even start applying to become a U.S. citizen until you've lived in the country for five years. Uh, it's very expensive. You have to have a background check. You have to sit down and have an interview with people, and they have to sign off on it. You have to show you have a proficiency of the English language, which if you were raised in a country who speaks another language, that's hard. That's hard in itself. I have to learn the language. Then you have to take a test based uh, that you have an understanding of the U.S. Constitution. And not only do you know that, but you like hold the same values and beliefs that we have. And, and after it's all said and done, right before you're about to become a natural, what they call a naturalized uh, citizen, and, and you take an oath of allegiance. I don't know if you knew this, you take an oath of allegiance, and it's really long. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to hear a part of it. It says, I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure, there's a word of the day, abjure, all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom... Um, or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen, heretofore. Just slide that into your next sentence, and somebody's going to be like, whoa, heretofore. David's here. He's heretofore. I don't even know how to use it in a sense, but just slide some of those words in there. It's, it's this oath of allegiance that we take to become United States. But when you've been born into it, you don't think about your citizenship 
often. And the Lord, we're kicking off this brand new series called Citizens. The Lord really called us in the time here to kind of think through our, our, our rights, our identity, our responsibility, and our privileges of being not just a U.S. citizen, to be a, but to be a citizen of heaven. We're going to be looking through um, the, the letter to the church at Philippi, and today particularly Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, and it's amazing that uh, of what Paul says here, because I think it's really going to resonate with where we're at today as well. So let's pick up in verse 17, we'll read through verse 21, and begin to do some context and kind of following through here. So join together, Paul says to the church at Philippi, in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Kids, adults in the room, who's your role models? Who's your examples that you're looking at? Paul's like, look to me. Look to people who have their eyes on the prize. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, you just hear the passion of Pastor Paul here to the church he planted in Philippi. Like, I beg you, like, get this. I'm telling you again, because many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I believe he's actually talking about believers who say they're believers but live a completely different lifestyle. I really think that's who he's talking to here. He says, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is, their, uh, is their, in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. We're going to talk about that today. But our citizenship, us as believers, if you're a Christian, if you're watching this and you claim to follow Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. I want you to just, just if you're in your Bible or if you're in your notes app or whatever, citizenship, just in heaven, eagerly await Savior, Lord, Jesus. All these things are really important ideals for what we're going to be talking about. Who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his Glorious body. Thank you for the scriptures, Lord. I'm so thankful for this text. Uh, I think it's very important as we move into this series and into this season that we really give a careful reflection personally on our citizenship in heaven. I think it's important that we order our eyes away from earthly things to heavenly things in this season. I think it's important that we remind ourselves in this season in which we will cast our ballots and watch debates and think about our civic duty as Americans. It's important that we remember our first citizenship is in heaven. It's important that we understand and participate in our responsibilities, not just as American citizens, but as citizens of heaven. It's also important that we understand um, that, that when we are citizens of heaven, we are citizens under a king. And that's what I want to talk about today. The title of my message today is Citizens Under a King. I want to talk about the lordship and the kingship of Jesus and what it means for us as citizens of heaven to live under the reign of our Jesus. Let me just say this, um, the idea of preaching on the kingship of Jesus is one that could take years. <laughs> it's it's uh, so deep and so complex in the scriptures and so rich that I will not be able to touch every facet 
of the truths to bring out about Jesus as king in our life. But I want to kind of leave it to this text, to these four or five verses here, and really pull from this section what God wants us to hear on being citizens of heaven up under a king. Uh, throughout this series, we'll be throughout the, the scriptures, but we will find ourselves in the letter to the Philippians quite often. And so I think it's really important that we get some context as we lean in here today um, and really understand what's going on in society at that time, what's happening in the culture then and, and why Paul, Paul writes. So it happened in 49... 49 AD, that Paul came into uh, an encounter with a woman named Lydia. And Lydia became the first convert in Europe. And Philippi became the first church plant in all of Europe. Like, awesome, amazing things are happening. An entire continent is now going to be reached, and eventually we will be reached through this one conversion. Like, this is the big deal of what happens in 49 AD when Paul um, uh, sees this conversion of Lydia. And so he'll minister there for a while, and then he'll eventually uh, leave town. And and after he leaves town, preaching in another area, he gets thrown in prison. And uh, the, the church at Philippi that begins to be gathered around this woman named Lydia, they end up hearing about Paul's capture and imprisonment, and they're like, hey, let's collect up an offering for Pastor Paul. Like, I hope if I got thrown in jail for, uh, for preaching the gospel, y'all be like, hey, let's come together and try to bail a brother out, okay? Will you do that? Can we make a deal if I get thrown in jail? Okay, I got one. All right, it's on you, man. You got to bail me out, man. We're there, okay? Um, so they're like, let's put an offering together, and they send it with this guy named Aphroditus, not the Greek goddess. Aphroditus, that's this dude's name, and he goes to the prison where Paul is, and he, and he kind of helps him out. I don't know if it was like helped him buy some peanut butter crackers or if he actually helped him get out at some point, uh, but Paul sends him back with this letter to the church at Philippi, and, and Philippi is important for us to understand what's taking place there. Do I have any history buffs in the room? Okay, awesome. I have a baby, age one, that is our history buff. You don't have a lot of history, sweetie. So, um, not many history buffs, but it's important that we know that what, uh, the role that Philippi played. I mean, many of you will remember uh, the execution of, of Julius Caesar. And so after that, there's um, Octavian who takes power and kind of comes alongside Mark Antony, and they have this big, epic, ancient battle um, against uh, Brutus and Cassius. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, I remember some of those names. So Brutus and Cassius lose in this battle, and Octavian and, and, um, and Mark Antony win here in Philippi. And so after that, they, they have uh, all the power there uh, as the emperor of Rome and power in Rome. And all these Roman soldiers settle right here in Philippi, right here in Philippi. And so uh, this is going to be really important as we begin to to study these five truths that I want to talk to you about, our king, because it's in this landscape of all these former soldiers and and Paul saying things like, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is the one who has our allegiance. Jesus is the one who will come to restore and make all things right. When he's saying these things, it's in the context of a nationalistic patriots who love Rome. And their allegiance will be tested in this moment. Do they love Rome more than they love Jesus? Do they love Caesar? Will they worship Caesar or will they worship God, and it's in this landscape that we begin to dive in, and I want to share five truths about 
our king, and it's first that our king is God himself. Our king is God himself. I went to Cambodia many years ago. Shout out to Mark and Carrie Twine serving faithfully in missions there. We love you. Yeah, people are just big smiles when they hear your name, Mark and Carrie. And uh, I remember going there, and I got to be in some rooms that I had no business being in. Like, I got to meet uh, and have, like, a conversation on the rooftop hotel that this governor of Phnom Penh, the capital of the thing, I was having to come. I'm like, why am I, how did I get in this space? And then I got to go and be in the room with this, <clears throat> there's this large engagement going on and this large um, uh, kind of conversation taking place, and Christians were being brought to the table with the, the president of Cambodia, and I was in the room, like, as like a 29-year-old kid or something. Like I had 28-year-old kid. I had no reason to be in this room and no really voice in this room. But I'm in the room, and they take us to parliament, and we get to see all the parliament. It kind of looks like our senate room. And, and uh, here in the, the senate room, there's this big throne. And I'm like, what's that about? And they're like, well, that's the king's throne. I'm like, oh, there's a king. There's a king in Cambodia. And apparently he, he doesn't have much power. He doesn't show up often. Um, but he's kind of there in name, like similar, he has his influence and he has his power, similar to the Queen of England, right? And so as Americans, we don't understand much about king, but the people of Rome, the people of Rome, they saw their king, they saw their emperor as God. They saw their Caesars as God. And, and by the time Caesar Augustus comes around, they worship him. And the, and the Caesars don't push it away. They actually like receive it. Like, yeah, this is awesome. I am a God. And so they begin to not just deify them after their death, but they begin to deify them while they're still living and serving. And so they see their king, their emperor as God. And here he comes to, Paul comes to the scene and he's preaching a very different truth. Caesar's not God. Jesus, the one they crucified, is God. I look back to, um, uh, we could look at the whole book of Philippi, and, and it can kind of be wrapped around um, a, a text in uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, in which it's kind of a retelling of the gospel story, and it's actually like a poem that Paul puts in the heart of his letter to the church at Philippi. Here's what it says, verses 6 through 11. It says, talking about Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. And by taking the the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above Every name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and in heaven, on our earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, glory of God the Father. So this, that, that's like a poem. That's like a five-verse poem that Paul puts in the middle of this. The preceding verses, like in chapter one, are really Paul saying, like, my life here in prison is living out that gospel story. It's living, living out the suffering of Jesus. It's humbling myself. It's, being, it's putting my flesh on a cross every day. That's what Paul is saying, kind of leading up to that moment in chapter 2. And the rest of the, chapter, the rest of the letter, he's going to be like, your life should be like that too. 
Whatever suffering that you endure, whatever things that come against you, your life should be like humbling yourself to the the death of your flesh. And then that Christ will eventually, God himself will raise you up with Christ. Do you see it? It's a pretty beautiful picture that he's painted here when we understand that that's at the heart of that. But God has exalted Jesus to the highest place. He is king over all. The second thing that it's so important that we understand is is that this has long been the history um, for for the people of Israel, is that they've always wanted a king like everybody else. If you go back to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel, and and, God came to the the people of Israel uh, early on and and said, hey, I want to be your God, I want you to be my people, and then as time went on, they didn't want a theocracy they, they wanted an empire like the Romans, like the Greeks, uh, like all the nations around that they, they looked around. They wanted a king like them, and so eventually they did. They got Saul, <laughs> and they got what they asked for. And, and, and this whole time, this whole history, they've been wanting a king. They want a king like everybody else, but let me just tell you, we don't have a king like everybody else. Our king is God himself. And I don't know if you've ever been around celebrities or people of political power, but when you get around them, like you start thinking about what you're going to say. You start thinking about what you're going to do. You want to do the right things. And and I just wonder, are we like that with God too? Do we revere him as king in the same way? The the second truth about our king that we've got to know is that our king is a victorious savior. He is the victorious savior. And just like the people deified Caesar and looked to him as God, they looked to him as Savior too. In fact, you can see in all like historical documents, they called Caesar the Savior. They called, because, and, and many Jews bought into this too. They bought into this because they had been so persecuted and now the Romans, for the most part, are just kind of letting them live. It was just like, live and, you know, let them be. And, and they're just like this little kind of side sect. They're not this huge thing with large empires like us, so they're not bothering us. As long as they pay their taxes, <laughs> then we're good. And, and so they are constantly still looking at even their Caesars as their Savior, looking to men as their Savior. But our King is our victorious Savior. I know when I was a, a young man, and, and, and even as, as I got older, and some of you probably find yourself the same way, I was extremely competitive I hate to lose. Like, I just hated to lose. And I was just such a poor sport about it when I would lose. And, and eventually that began to break off of me. Eventually. And honestly, I have to, like, put it with my conversion to Christ and, and becoming a follower of Christ and understanding that no matter what losses I took in this world, that he was my victorious Savior. Knowing that, that he, the victory was still his, that my, I still had victory. Whatever, whatever things happened, whatever teams I didn't make, whoever turned their back on me, I was still victorious because of who I was in Christ. And, and we have to ask ourselves in our own spirit, in our own heart, are we looking to men, to women, to be our Savior in this season? Because I don't know how this election cycle is going to unfold. But at the end of the day, I know I'm still on the winning team because Jesus is still victorious Savior. I, I know that. And you know what that does? That begins to just bring a settledness in my spirit to walk through this season and keep my eyes on my citizenship in heaven. 
that I, um, I have a victorious Savior. And what Paul will say in Philippians chapter 4, he says to the church at Philippi, don't be anxious about anything. Don't, it's amazing how when we begin to see, oh, no, no, God is my God. Uh, God, my King is God. But my Savior is Jesus Christ. And then the third part of this is that our King is Lord over all. You see, this is all back in that text that we were reading where he's saying Jesus comes down from where? From heaven. He's God, Jesus is God. He, he's saying that he's Savior. He, Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Lord. You know what was actually written on their coins, on their Roman coins? It wasn't in God we trust. It was Caesar is Lord. So Paul comes in preaching Jesus is Lord, and they're like, wait, 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 no, no. Have you seen our money? Our money says Caesar is Lord. And he begins to push up against that, so there was great conflict. The reason that Paul got out of town is because, well, he's like, I'm going to preach the gospel and let y'all carry it. And they began to see some, some pushback and conflict, and Christians there were, were having issues with this. They're like, I don't know what to do because my money says Caesar is Lord, but, yet, but I'm called to life in this, in this kingdom of God as a citizen of heaven in which Jesus is Lord of my life. Any kids in here? Any adults like some Legos? Anybody? Yeah, I know my boys are big Lego. Lego's awesome. Lego's amazing. Yeah, I love Lego. Um, think of this like this, kids, like where yeah, you, you have like your little, my, my boys have like a little Lego kingdom set up, right? And you've got all your little pieces. And, and, and for some of our older kids in the room, if you have a sibling come in and try to mess with your kingdom, right, you get defensive. And you're like, get off there. You better not break my Legos. And you just kind of get that, that grit face, like I'm going to protect my kingdom. Well, just like you are kind of Lord, you are kind of sovereign over your little Lego kingdom, God is sovereign over everything. He's Lord over all. This word kyrios, this Greek word for Lord, means sovereign over all. It means to whom one, it belongs, like everything belongs. Isaiah prophesied this, that, that Jesus Christ would be Lord over all in, in Isaiah 9, 6. He said this. Do you remember this one? We read this around Christmas a lot. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. The, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Jesus is Lord over all. The psalmist said it in, in verse tw or chapter 24, verse 1, said the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Jesus is Lord over all. Caesar's not Lord. Jesus is Lord. The government's on his shoulders. Just remember that as we go through this trying, most divisive election se season that we'll probably ever experience. In our remember, Jesus is Lord over all. The government's on his shoulders. And that, that, that does something to our spirit when we really think about it, when we remember that, that our king is God. Our king, is he's our savior that we're looking for. Not the next policy, not the next Supreme Court justice, not the next president, not the next governor. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. He's our savior. He's the one that will save us. Now, we're, we're going to talk in the rest of our series about our responsibilities and to, to vote with our, our Christian convictions and to live out our civic duties and to be responsible um, ambassadors of the king in his kingdom as his citizens. We're going to talk about the rest of that 
in this series, but we've got to get this first, that we are citizens under a king, and he is Lord over all. He's Lord over you, and he's Lord over me. He's uh, Lord over every government. And let me just ask you, do you live like he is sovereign over all of your life? Like, as Taryn was encouraging us a few minutes ago, are there parts of our heart that are actually looking for a savior in the next relationship? We're actually looking for a Lord in our next boss. Someone will just tell us what to do. We're looking for, um, uh, we, we actually revere men and women of earth more than we revere and honor God. We actually look at, they become our little gods. What does your anxiety say about that? If, if we really began to put him as Lord over all and, and sovereign over all, man, I, I just believe over time when we just dwell on that, when we meditate on that, that begins to simmer into our hearts. It puts us in this place of peace. And I really trust God. And this is going to be a season in which we turn our, our eyes away from the earthly things and towards heavenly things and live out um, our lives as his citizens of heaven here on earth. The fourth truth that we have to grab a hold of about our king is our king requires our first allegiance, our first allegiance. Um, last week was uh, fun because the Jags won. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Some haters. Are we serving haterade out there? I thought we were just serving coffee. We got haterade out there. Um, no, the, ja- the Jags uh, won, and, and I was in a text thread with a, a few buddies, and uh, we were just talking about it. It's no secret that this uh, season for the Jags have been like, um, you, know, you know, getting rid of a lot of big names. Calais Campbell, off to the Ravens, tear emoji. I uh, love Calais. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette, cut, signed by my bucks. You know, see ya, dude. Um, Jalen Ramsey, don't let the door hit you on the way out, right? It's just like, we've seen just this mass exodus of a lot of the big names here in Jacksonville, but last week was awesome because Gardner Minshew, like, you know, killed it and, like, had one incomplete pass and three touchdowns, and, and then here, like, the, the text starts, C.J. Henderson, a new rookie, like, was named, like, Rookie Player of the Week, and and it's like, Jalen Ramsey who? Like, forget it, man. We don't need you. <laughs> and then James Robinson, this new running back. We got rid of Leonard Fournette. Here comes this rookie, undrafted rookie. Nobody's ever heard of. And he plays amazing. And I just love the text thread because everybody was so excited that they weren't, they weren't their allegiance wasn't to the players, it was to the team. We, we, we were, they were like, oh, forget these guys. We don't need them. Whoever's here and whoever's going to be for it, that's who it is. And I, and I was thinking yesterday as my boys um, are, had their flag football games, and it was like gross weather. It was like here, it was like raining and misting all day. And, and as we drove out there, I just thought to myself about this thing that pastors have uh, where when it comes to the weather, like we're super weird in the way we think because we've just experienced it and we're a little bit superstitious when it comes to the weather. Like this is just a pastoral confession. Can you handle this? Like we're a little bit superstitious, um, not, not superstitious, maybe just a little stitious as Michael Scott says, but uh, we're just a little stitious and because if the weather's too nice, we know that people will probably go to the beach or go tailgate. But if the weather's too bad, People are going to be like, oh, it's, it's nasty out. I'm just going to stay in my pajamas. It feels better here. Um, so we know the conversation that goes through your head. <laughs> and we know that as humans, how fickle we can be about little things. And as we're driving out to the flag football game and we sit out in rain for three hours to watch our boys uh, run around and, and, and pull flags, um, I thought to myself, 
I wonder if we did this with church, if anybody would show up. Or if they would just say, we should cancel, Pastor. Like, let's just keep it real. Like, let's just get into really where our first allegiance is. Because oftentimes we're way more allegiant to the things of this world than we are to the things of God. Our king requires our first allegiance. And, and look, we have dual citizenship right now. We're Americans. We live on earth. We are earthlings, as they say. <laughs> We're earthlings. But, but we belong, our first allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven. And so whatever happens in our world, we know that. And that has us uh, require, and it requires our, our first allegiance and so I, I just want you to know that the people of Philippi was, were struggling with this. They had allegiances to Caesar and to Rome, and they were struggling with it. But here's the deal. As we approach this season, no matter what's going on, we need to remember this. Our first allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Our, our, our first allegiance is, is to the family of God and to his kingdom as citizens of heaven. That's where our attention should go to. The fifth thing, and if the band will come and they'll help zip me up here. Um, the fifth thing is our king will return to transform. Our king will return to transform. Uh, there's a passage. Kenny, if you don't mind going back up to the, the Philippians 3 passage, um, uh, towards uh, the end of it, uh, well, towards the middle of it, where he says, we eagerly await a savior from heaven. This, I just want to focus for a moment on how we should look at heaven and, and how we should approach our king. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there. I don't know if, um, I don't know if you've ever planned a vacation before, but when your vacation's far off, you just kind of put it on the calendar and forget about it, you know, and you don't think about it for a long time. But then as it gets closer... You start, to, like, it, it, like a week or two will happen, and you get more excited, excited about it. And it's oftentimes, as we get closer to the vacation, we, um, uh, things get more stressful. Does anybody know? Like, it just gets more stressful. You got to do more things before you leave, and it, it gets very stressful as you plan for that vacation. And the closer you get to it, the more eager you await it. I think the same is true. One of the images we have in the scriptures is of the church, of you and I, if you're a believer today, the church that we're the bride of Christ. Like The church is the bride, and Jesus, as our Savior, is the groom. And when he returns, it'll be the great wedding feast. Jesus uses this imagery. It's used uh, throughout the New Testament, that we're the bride of Christ. You know, if, if you're invited to a wedding, you might not get that excited about it, right? Some of you are like, oh, I guess I'll go. Like, let me just be honest. If I'm not performing the wedding or like in the wedding or really know the people all that well, I'm not excited. Like I'm like, I don't want to go unless she makes me go and I'll, I'll go. Just know. I'm just, I'm, I look like an introvert to you. I'm very much um, on the uh, introversion side of, of the spectrum. So I just don't like all the random awkwardness um, that meeting a bunch of new people. So there's that. She loves it. I hate it. It's our thing. So, um, and so, but it, if I'm in the wedding, I get a little more excited about it. But think about this. If you're the bride, there's no one on the face of the planet that's more eagerly awaiting anything than the bride. And, and we've got to get a picture 
We've got to get the right theology of heaven. We've got to get the right theology because how we, what we believe about heaven and what we believe Jesus has called us to actually changes how we act in this world. It, it, it changes the posture of our heart, whether we're eagerly awaiting. If you see yourself as a part of the bride, and right now, as the times go on and they get more difficult for believers, as we see persecution, as churches are shut down, uh, because they're going to be more shut down in the coming years, so we better be life-giving and be producing and planting more churches, because there's going to be a lot of them shut down. I think we have a responsibility to continue to, to see the nations reached and our city reached. But we, we've got to work through this in our heart, and we've got to get this theology that it's not just escapism. It's not like that we know that the, the world is, is, is going to hell in a handbasket and just get me out of here as fast as possible. No, no, we've got to have this, this longing and this living. I eagerly await the ages to come in which Jesus will return, but I'm also living in this age, and what Jesus told us to pray and to live is that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That this is how we are called to live, and what we're going to look at through the rest of the series is that we are ambassadors of heaven. We are ambassadors of heaven as citizens. We go out into our city, into our homes, and into our businesses, and to our families, and we are ambassadors for the lordship of Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies. We see this picture in Revelation 21 that, that Jesus will come and, and bring the new heavens and new earth. He'll come back down. And he'll restore everything. He will transform everything that's broken, every tear that's been shed. He'll transform it. Every bit of brokenness. And I was just joking with some people about all my ailments. People, I talk about all my ailments on, on stage. They're like, how's your back? I'm like, what's going on my back? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been going on for a long time. How's your knee? Like, how's your... And, and so all that stuff. All that brokenness of our bodies decaying, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He's going to renew it. And we're going to have new bodies, glorious bodies that don't age, that don't die. And we'll be found ruling with Jesus on the new heaven, the new earth. It's a beautiful picture. It's all under his command. It's all under his lordship. And I just want to ask you a couple questions as we close today. And so if you'll just bow your head. Just to give you focus, there's nothing super spiritual to that. I just want you to close your eyes just to, to focus in on these questions. And as they lead us in song, we get a chance to declare what we truly believe. I just want to ask you today, have you been living as a dual citizen? Have, you been, have your allegiances been split between the things of this world? If you're really honest, like, God, I'm not trusting you. Have you been living as Lord of your own life or his, he Lord of our all of the earth and everything and everyone who lives in it. Can you be honest with your, yourself today about where your allegiance is? And can we make a decision? Can we make a choice in this season to set our eyes not on earthly things, but on the things of heaven? Jesus says if we will do that, if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added to us. And so God, right now we focus our attention on you we focus our hearts on you. God, uproot the things, allegiances in our lives, God, that are conflicting with your kingdom. Uproot allegiances to wealth, God, today, that are conflicting with our life, that we're called to. God, uproot the, the, the allegiances we have to our career, God, that get in the way of our allegiance to you. God, uproot 
our allegiance to entertainment and sports, God, that get in the way of our allegiance to you, God, would nothing stand against God, what you want to do in our life, God, that we as a body, as Fathom Church, God, like the people of Philippi were being encouraged, we would be encouraged in this season to live as citizens of heaven. Come on, will you just stand with me? Will you just maybe just, just continue to keep your eyes closed? Just stand with me today. Maybe you'll open your hands and your heart and you'll just say, God, help this be true in my life. God, help this be true. God, I want to say it. We're going to sing a song called, Yes, I Will. God, I want to mean it. God, I want to believe it. I want to live it. I count on one thing. Can you sing that for us? The same God who never failed will not fail me now. He won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. It's working all things out. Sing it. Yes, I will. Let's let it be true in our life as we sing this. I count on one thing. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. He won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God is is working all things out. He's working all things. Come on, sing it from your heart. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my day. Oh, yes, I will. Come on, will we do that today? Let's put him first in our worship. Nothing can stand again. I choose to pray to glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand again. To pray to glorify, glorify the name of all I choose to pray to glorify, glorify the name of all men. Come on, sing, yes, I will. Oh, yes, I will. In the lowest valley, yes, I will. Bless your name. Oh, yes, I will. Sing for joy. When my heart is heavy, oh my days. Come on, sing it from your heart, all my days. For all. Come on, we're pledging allegiance to the Lord today. 
for all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for his word. God, we thank you for your presence today. Amen. Amen. You all can be seated for just a couple minutes. I'm going to wrap us up today. What's up, cutie? We don't get up here often together, so it's good to uh, be with you, man. Hey, I want to remind you of a couple things that are really cool that are going on. Uh, one, if you, I talked about that Church Center app. I told you uh, you can watch live on there and you can do that. Make sure you download that, get registered for the marriage conference. Uh, there's an online option. You can do that from home, but we'd love for you to just be able to get together. If you, you can sign up and just say, hey, pair me with a host. I want to go hang out with somebody. Do that. If you're new here, pick out your phone with us. Um, or if you're not here, pick out your phone with us. And just let us know. Maybe you've made a decision in your heart to get baptized, to follow Jesus for the first time, or recommit yourself. All you got to do is just text uh, the word fathom or new to fathom to 97,000. That's going to give us an opportunity to, to start a relationship with the connect with you. Uh, we'd love to, to connect with you in that anyway. I also wanted to tell you one more thing. Um, we have a new podcast out that's uh, what we're really excited about. Jackie and I are hosting a podcast each week, uh, and actually all of our podcasts and our messages and um, our, our new podcast, it's called Fathom Beyond Sunday. Fathom Beyond Sunday, because you know, this is about more than just Sundays. It's about more than just kind of coming together, having a nice message, feeling a little better and going off. It's about living it in our lives every single day. And so we want you to get that. So we're providing some additional resources. So look up this. It's on Spotify, Apple, Google, all our, all our podcasts are in all kinds of different places. So find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Put it on uh, um, while you're driving down the road to the grocery store or whatever. Put it on late in the week. It's kind of refresh your heart. We're taking what we're talking about on Sunday and just going deeper. What is that? How does that apply on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? So I think you're going to find that really fruitful. Hopefully you'll check out, subscribe to both of those. Yeah, for sure. And something that I forgot to mention about in the Kids Connect time, next week we are starting back, I said that, but we've got to um, save your seat for that, right? Yeah, yeah, there's limited space for kids, so, so zero to six. Yes, we are jumping back into kids, but we also have to follow the mandate, so um, please make a spot for your kids. Sign them up um, because we want them to be there, so just yeah. make sure you do that on the website. Um, really quick, before we go, um, we are going to give, and this is one of my favorite parts of the service because it's, it's all worship, right? Yeah. The, the singing time is worship, getting into God's word is worship, and, and giving is also worship. And um, Last time I did giving, I think I told you about how I was kind of whining about money a little bit, and today I'm going to tell you some a way that I was, um, this week, I was convicted. So you mentioned that the boys have been playing football. And um, we came and played last year, so we already had the jersey, we had the flag. It's the same exact thing every year, right? But you pay every year. So the coach, we uh, showed up to the first game last Saturday, and the coach was like, oh, great, you have a jersey. I don't have to give you one. And in my head, I was like, yes, you do. I paid for that thing. Like, I want that second jersey. And, you know, sometimes we do that with God, with our giving. Like, we want to see a line item of exactly how God is spending my money. You know, we want our t-shirt. We want the flag with the thing that I lose, that we lose. Yeah. And so that really convicted me that we do that with God, too. Like, we say, okay, God, I'll give you this, but then you got to bless me for that. Yeah. Or i got to have the t-shirt, you know? And so this morning when you give, first of all, know that you're giving. Preach it, girl. <laughs> know that you're giving to a good spot. We give to all over the world. We have orphans in Africa. We, we connect with the community schools around here. And to be honest, it keeps the lights on. 
you know? Yeah. And that's all part of being a part of the family of God. But when you give today, don't hang on to it halfway and say, God, this yeah. is what I require for you to do with my money because it's really not your money. And I was convicted of that as it was coming out of my, well, it wasn't really coming out of my mouth, but it was coming out of my head like, oh, yeah, you're going to give me that jersey. Yeah. Um, but we do that with God, too. So yeah. I was so convicted with that this week. And Absolutely. I just wanted to share um, that when we give with an open heart and an open hand, God can do so much more with yeah. that. Yeah, and we become more like him. Yeah. We become more like him in our generosity. And, and man, we're, we're praying that you would be praying in this season as we get closer. In fact, right after service, if you want to know kind of what's going on with our next-gen building, if you want a quick walkthrough, I'm going to do that. Uh, just All you got to do is exit here or exit around and meet me back there. I'm going to be kind of doing a quick walkthrough through our new next-gen building that uh, we are seeing come together very quickly. And uh, I, I reported to you last weekend that we're 14% away from our 250000 goal. So we've got 30 35 grand that we need to close this deal completely debt-free to come into a new building for phase one and phase two to in both of these strong. And so we're praying that, that God's going to allow us to do this completely through this generosity offering, sacrificial offering. We're just calling finish strong offering on the second weekend in October. So just be praying about how God would lead you to be a part of that. Some of you have been a part of that every week. Some of you have given sacrificially through, uh, p- through the past couple years. Some of you have never been able to participate, but I would just encourage all of us just to pray about it. Like, that's all I'm asking you to do. Just pray like what God would lead you to do, and, and that's going to be enough. Yeah. You know, if we'll do that and we'll all be obedient to what God's asking us to do, there's going to be plenty. And so let's stand, let's pray. We're going to release you guys. If you want a quick tour on the building, uh, it's not, it won't take long, just five, ten minutes to walk you through that. Um, and hope you all have an amazing week. You want to pray for us? Sure. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good to us. Thank you for the gift of your Son, yeah. God, that you could teach this in the heavens. God, today I pray that as we leave, God, that we will walk out changed, challenged, God, convicted, Lord, where we need to change, Father. And I just pray that you may, that everyone here will be encouraged, Lord, that they're not walking this journey alone, and that there's people right here in this room and online that are walking the same journey. Lord, we just yeah. thank you, God, for your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Love you all. Have an amazing, amazing day today.